Warning, the following views will be extremely offensive. You will hear foul language, sexual innuendos, and jokes in poor taste. Viewer discretion is advised. I got blisters on my fingers! We'll do it live! Fuck it! And once again, previously on El Donzo and D's. I'd like to say that this next week couldn't possibly get any worse, could it? I'm afraid I've got some bad news! Yeah, it's El Donzo here. I'm D's. And yes, we've got some bad news. Uh, we're going to get right to it. So there's a uh, shit kind of hit the fan in Atlanta right now. Turns out uh, the cops had to uh, fire their weapons once again. Uh, the guy involved with this was named Rayshard Brooks. And if you guys don't know the full story, uh, there was a guy that was passed out in a Burger King drive-thru. Okay. It was, of course, African-American. Uh, passed out in the Burger King drive-thru. Somebody called the police. What? Well, I... Wendy's, but no, no, no. no. It, was, it was Burger I, King. I know. Which we'll, we'll get into that later. Go ahead. I'm oh, sorry. Okay. Yeah, we'll get that later. So anyway, he's passed out. They call the police. The police show up. They wake him up while he's in the drive-through. Uh, they get him to pull his car over. They get him out, do field sobriety tests, have him blow breathalyzer. He he blows drunk. Point one oh eight, I believe it was. Uh, they talk to him. They tell him to turn around. They're going to cuff him as they're cuffing him. He starts fighting the two officers and he goes to the ground with them. And it's quite the struggle. It is, uh, unquestionably a struggle if you watch it. So what happens is he ends up grabbing a taser out of one of the cop's hands. Now I'll say this, watching this, the, the cops made every attempt that they could to subdue him. And he is overpowering them, each one of them, in certain stages of this. So anyway, he grabs the taser and goes to run away. The cops take chase with taser in hand. And he turns around and at one point fires the taser. In uh, reaction, one of the cops puts three bullets in him. Or at least fires three shots and kills him. If you watch the full video, I mean, it, it appears to be justified. Uh, but... That's not going to keep anybody from getting up in arms and rioting and looting because of this. Uh, my big question is, they burned a Wendy's. What did Wendy's do to deserve <laughs> yeah, right. it? See, I, that's why I was confused because I thought... Uh, I mean, quality, quality fresh beef hamburgers never frozen... I mean, what did Wendy's do to deserve this? Well, hey, look, I've always kind of had a thing against square hamburgers myself. I love them. I've never wanted to set the place on fire. But that was where my confusion was is, I mean, I watched the video and and read the article and everything, but it never, I guess the the whole Wendy's Burger King thing never registered. I just saw uh, Wendy's was was burnt down, so I had to kind of figure that that's where he was, and they took it out on Wendy's, but no. Uh, they burned down the wrong restaurant, apparently. <laughs> well, any restaurant's the wrong restaurant. I mean, really, what did well, Wendy's yeah. do here? What did they provide jobs for the neighborhood? I mean, did they they provided uh, meals for the people in the neighborhood to go and eat? It's, see, that's a reactionary thing. I don't really understand why they target some places and don't target the other ones. I don't know why they target places to begin with. If they're going to protest and march, protest and march. But why burn businesses? I don't get it. I just don't get it. You know, one of these things I saw some people arguing about, I'm going to kind of hash this out for you. 
look, somebody said that, well, he just had a taser, and, and we know tasers aren't deadly, so I don't know why they had to kill him. Well, look, now wait a minute, let's back up here. I think it was, uh, I think it was a mayor of the police chief of Atlanta only a few weeks ago when the cops tased two college kids in a car that were driving away during an arrest. Uh, I think they questioned their humanity about it. Well, I don't know how somebody could do that. If you're a human being, how could you just tase these kids? So they already set the precedent. Look, he would have been alive if he would have just taken the handcuffs and spent the night in jail. Right. And, uh, you know, you can argue back and forth as to whether or not the cops uh, should have actually pulled guns. Um, In my personal opinion, I I think they were justified. Um, He clearly in the video turns and fires the taser. uh, And even in... In the extended video, he did hit one of the cops in the arm, but it didn't stick. But uh, so, yeah, the argument of, well, you didn't have to shoot him. All it was was a taser. Well, that could have gone a lot more wrong. Let's say he incapacitates a cop. And takes his gun. And takes his gun. And then we've got two dead cops. Um, And again, if you watch the video, you clearly see that those two police officers had a hard time with that one man. Like he literally, they were trying to wrestle with him and he still got away. So yeah, it was just a taser. But again, if, if that goes in a different way, we're talking about two dead police officers, because like you said, he tases one of those cops, he grabs a gun and shit hits the fan. And and who knows what he ends up doing with that gun in a parking lot. Um, it, if you see the line looks like it's wrapped around the building there, it, it, it could have gotten a lot, lot worse. Absolutely. You know, Rayshard Brooks, the cops didn't kill Rayshard Brooks. Rayshard Brooks killed himself here. Yeah. Okay. It's look, <laughs> most of these situations, except going back to George Floyd, um, which we're not even going to cover that because we all know about it. I'm just, most of these situations can be easily averted by just cooperating with the police. Right. Now, look, sometimes the cops are pricks. Okay, that's undeniable. Yeah, but they're there. You're, you'll have your day in court, and it's better to just go ahead and get a DUI than to try and fight the police and end up in a casket. That's my opinion on this. Yeah. The, the other argument you're going to see is, well, why did they have to go for kill shots? You know, why didn't they shoot him in the leg? You don't have time to think. Exactly. That's you, that's you that's where that. I'm going with it. Is that in the heat of the moment? Obviously, adrenaline, probably a little fear kicks in. You don't know how that's going to turn out. So I can't imagine if it were myself in that same situation, I'd react any differently. At that point, he's considered a threat. While the weapon that he has isn't necessarily a deadly weapon, again... It's a weapon. It's a weapon, and he could have hit the cop, incapacitate him, and then he gets his hands on a deadly weapon. So uh, it's just ridiculous. The bottom line is this. If this incident happened three and a half weeks ago, wouldn't have heard a thing about it. Might have been a small little clip, you know, on on the news sites and whatever, but it would not. There's so much other shit going on in the world right now. We probably wouldn't have even heard about this. Well, you know, and it's it's funny. We'll we'll touch on this real quick. There's a lot of stuff going on in the news that we're not hearing about because we're hearing about nothing but this stuff right now. Right. I mean. Obama officials are going to be subpoenaed. John Ratcliffe declassified a bunch of documents, and a Senate panel approved these subpoenas. That's something you're not hearing about. We're in that election year. And I'm telling you right now, everything that's blowing up is getting blown up by the media and the left. 
to distract from what's going on. That's, I mean, let's get, let's go into this. Let's, you want to talk about distraction? So I touched last week on President Trump's little trip to St. John's Church. And yeah, kind of get why he did it, wanted to prove that, hey, we're here. You know, they tried burning the church down. Then there was questions about the protests. Well, everybody reacted on the left quite negatively to this. And I can kind of see how they would, especially yeah, being mean, on the left. It was a publicity stunt, more yeah, or less. It, that's it what was. it turned into. Yeah. yeah, it absolutely turned into a photo op. But then Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer said, hold my beer. So, <laughs> did yeah. you? And you, he actually, Dee's pulled up a video of this. I didn't see it. So they went to, where did they go and put the kente cloth on the Capitol, right? Yeah, they were, yeah, it was, I don't know what. You would call that. I was too focused on the uh, shenanigans they were uh, they were doing. So they dressed in kente cloths and went down and knelt for George Floyd. Yeah, which, the thing was they were kneeling for what eight minutes forty six seconds, whatever the time was that uh, the cop had his knee on George Floyd. And somebody has a video clip you can clearly see as Nancy Pelosi is down on her knee. She's got her wrist on her knee that is up. And she's just flipping through her old Apple iPhone because apparently something was more important than that eight minutes and 46 seconds. It's just, just kind of funny. It shows the hypocrisy. Well, it goes to, sh- goes to show you, it's, it's, yeah, it's hypocrisy, but they really don't care. No, and you know it's bad when Trevor, Trevor Noah calls them out on it. And, of course, he did uh, put a little bit of his uh, left snark on it. But he did call him out and said that it, it was a bad look. And it, it was. Um, it, look, George Floyd wasn't African. He never went to Africa. George Floyd was American. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It, uh, I don't get why wearing the kente cloth would hold any kind of meaning when this was had nothing to do with the, the country or continent of Africa. It's just, like I said, it's, it's a publicity stunt. Um, in my eyes, way it's pandering and it's yeah, pandering. It's yes. worse if I ever saw it. Yeah, it's just uh, yeah, it was sad, really. That you know, and like I said, Trevor Noah to call out the the left like that um, should tell you all you need to know. Yeah, I agree a hundred percent. I was actually shocked. You know, D started playing Trevor Noah, and I about looked over at it. This was before the show, and I'm I about said shut that off, and then I started listening to. It. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah, he's actually coming out there and and uh, throwing the punches where they need to be thrown. So yeah, so we got to see Nancy and Chuck uh, make complete ass hats out of themselves with the kente cloths. You had a good point to that. Uh, no, actually, it was Trevor Noah. Noah had a good point to that about buying the kente cloths. Right. About the store owner. Yeah, yeah. What, 50 of them or whatever? (laughs) That was kind of funny. So something else, and we're kind of trying to get through all of this. Uh, We're going to do a little something different towards the end of the show. This whole uh, Capitol Hill autonomous zone in Seattle. So if you're not up to snuff on that, so the uh, little spoiled, uh, privileged white shits that want everybody to admit their white privileged uh, Antifa took over six blocks in Seattle, which includes that precinct's uh, police department. So they took it over. They said, this is autonomous zone. You are now leaving the USA. They put, they put borders up. They put walls up to yeah. keep people from yes. coming in. They have armed guards. The irony. There. The irony of this. They put walls up. And, of course, something else they're doing now. Uh, somebody shared uh, this video with me. They had a guy standing in one of these rallies inside Chaz, the autonomous zone. Uh, saying that, you know, you're, 
white people here, you know, I see your faces, I know who you are. If you don't go and give an African-American person $10, and it's kind of like a reparations thing, then you're not down for our cause. So once again, this white privilege BS. But it was kind of funny because we, we know that they're struggling in Chaz. Um, now they've changed it to CHOP. So you, now you've got like half these people in there. They're going, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. We don't want to be autonomous. We just, we want to be the Capitol Hill organized protest because they're running out of supplies. They're figuring out they can't hours. do this on their 24 they, hours. Within 24 hours, they started putting posts out on Twitter that they needed people to send them food. I tell you, pulling because up. Because the homeless that were in that group either took it or they gave it to them. I don't know. Uh, there's conflicting stories on how that went down. But yeah, they, they made it a whole day before they ran out of food and had to start asking for more. Pulled up their skirts and showed everybody their woohoos on that deal. Yeah, I think it's I think it's absolutely hilarious that now they've got people kind of like leaders of this movement trying to go around and police the area now. Isn't that funny? Yeah, and one thing I will call out Fox News on, um, they posted a bunch of pictures that showed like armed guards. But funny is that they had basically the same armed guard with an AR-15 in several different locations, clearly Photoshopped. They got called out on it and they removed them all. So again, we go into the whole media bias, whether it be right or left. Both are guilty, although I you know, still strongly strongly agree that CNN is far worse, but it's just... CNN's doctored so much shit yeah. in, in the past 30 years. Well, I've it's seen disturbing. just in the last week pictures that CNN showed where the... I won't say they were photoshopped, but they were filtered and the lighting was adjusted to make a to, black to, guy appear white. Yeah. Twice. One of them was that there was a black guy on the ground. Although if you looked at CNN picture, he looked white, bright white. And then when you see the unfiltered picture, it's clearly a black guy. Same thing. There was a one where there was a, a guy looked like a white guy pointing a gun at somebody. You see the unfiltered picture. Clearly a black guy. There's a reason they're doing this, okay? Not, not trying to turn this into a race thing, but yeah. No, no, don't, don't worry. You don't need to turn it into a oh, race it thing. already These, is. They yeah. have already turned it into a race thing. They are pulling out all the stops with this, okay? All the stops. Yeah. So the, and we'll touch real quick. Hey, do you remember, and we'll get back to it. Do you remember when that South Korean Airlines plane crashed? You get, we got to see if we can pull this up and get the audio because it's funny as hell. Oh, the pilots. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Well, don't even say it. Can you look for that and see yeah, if you can pull I'll it up and put can... the mic? So Deez is going to start looking for this right now because they did the newscast thing and they put the bogus names in there and the gal read them on air. He's going to look for that. But what I want to go into real quick and touch on this while he's doing it is this whole white privilege thing. This is a farce, okay? Deez and I were talking before the show. I talked to my dad today about this. Um, a lot of conversations. Look, I don't feel like I have white privilege, and I don't feel like I owe anybody anything because I'm white. My ancestors were Irish, came in here uh, 1890s. We missed the whole slavery thing by like 35 years, and we were treated like garbage anyway. Now, I'm not going to go into this, oh, yeah, Irish were treated worse than blacks, but we were treated pretty bad. Um, I think it's asinine. Anybody that is living right now that wasn't involved with slavery— uh, should have to be held responsible or apologize for something that their ancestors may or may not have even done. It's just something that's really driven me nuts lately. Uh, it's placing the blame. So you anyway, let's go to that. You got that? Yeah. Let's here. see if you can. Can you pull the mic up to it? There we go. Here we go. This is funny. That this is real quick. Wait a minute. Just just to make sure everybody knows, this was when I think it was South Korean Airlines crashed in in California. 
and they were covering it on the news, and some jack wagon, which I thought it was funny, it's racially insensitive, but it is funny, uh, gave the wrong info, the wrong names of the crew to the newscaster, and she read them aloud. So let's see if we can get this going. New information now, also on the plane crash. KTVU has just learned the names of the four pilots who were on board the flight. They are Captain Sum Ting Wong, Wee Too Low, Ho Li Fook, and Bang Ding Ao. The NTSB has confirmed these are the names of the pilots on board flight 214 when it crashed. We are working to determine exactly what roles each of the them best part. The- <laughs> okay. Is she says that oh, the N- the NTSB has confirmed that <laughs> those were the pilots. And of course, we found out that they were not. And that poor woman who literally was just reading off the teleprompter had to uh, come back and issue a full apology for that. But Yeah, but the guy that wrote it got fired. Yeah. But you know what? He went down in a blaze of glory. Yeah, talk about fact-checking gone wrong. Wow. So, something, um, you know, I wanted to get back real quick to the, the whole, the, my last thing on the Capitol Hill uh, autonomous zone. So, you got these these Antifa kids go in there, and you got some black people too, but it's a bunch of idiot white guys, I think, is most of it, that feel they're white. That we owe somebody an apology because we're white and we have white privilege. Um, you know, I got a question. Do, do y'all remember a guy named Randy Weaver? Does that name ring a bell, Dees? Yeah. Ruby Ridge. Ruby Ridge. Ruby yes, Ridge yes. back in the 90s. Uh, Randy Weaver really didn't do anything to anybody. He associated with somebody that was connected to a white supremacist group, and the FBI started watching him. And he may or may not at one point bought a short-barreled shotgun without a permit. So the, fed are, the, the feds pretty much raided his land. Uh, killed his dog, uh, shot his wife, I think killed his infant son, raided him over this because they were doing something the government didn't deem was correct. Uh, David Koresh had a Waco compound, had a compound. Uh, Yeah, David Koresh was a nut, but... To put it lightly. To put it lightly, but he wasn't hurting anybody outside the compound. Janet Reno goes in there, storms it, kills everybody in the compound in Waco. Everybody, the kids, the women, everybody kills them. Lights it on fire. You remember seeing that? Oh, absolutely. Janet Reno said, I did it for the children. Well, I got a question. These thugs have taken over six city blocks in Seattle. Why are they just allowed to do this? Why isn't the feds going in there and doing the same thing? Well, you would like to think it's because of those past uh, issues or, or events that yeah, they're but, not, but I'm telling you, they need to, both sides, I think, need to tread lightly here because it's it's already kind of heated, and I will be shocked if they come out of this without any bloodshed. I think it's going to go wrong. Somebody, one side or the other, is, is going to just say to hell with it and go rogue, and it's going to lead to to bloodshed. I, I hope I'm wrong. No, I think you're going to be right. I yeah. mean, somebody said, well, this is going to start another war. No, we're already in war. That's already happening. And if that, like, you know, if that should occur, then you think it's bad now. If something like that happens and a few people die, it's, um, it's going to get real bad. But they're calling for this. You cannot. Okay, I, I would say you cannot, but obviously you can do what they did. You can go in 
and take over six city blocks as your own, and the idiots in Seattle just let them have it. That was the first mistake. Right. The mayor ordered the police department, that precinct, to evacuate, which they should have never done. They should have stood their ground. So now what's it doing? You know, it's one of these monkey see, monkey do things. And I think it's going to give a lot of people the fire in their belly to go out and think they can get away with it, which is just going to cause more problems. They need to put a they need to put a screeching asshole to what's going on there right now. And yes, there's going to be bloodshed over it, but this can't be accepted. We can't allow this to be accepted in our society. No, a week ago, if you'd have told me that, look, somewhere, some major city in America is basically going to be under siege. You know, somebody's going to take over six square blocks and basically kind of declare that they're their own country, Seattle would not have been on my short list of the places that that would happen. No, but, and here's the thing too, what they're doing is committing treason. <coughs> yeah, well, yeah. Okay, now somebody, and I made a post, I, I made a point about this, that, you know, I say they're committing treason, somebody could say, well, you know, the Revolutionary War was treason against the British, and look what happened. Yeah, but you know what, a lot of people got killed because of that treason. So you want to die on your shields, die on your shields, but it's going to come down to it. And what really bothers me, I think the most, and you, you, I don't know if you agree with me or not, is if this continues, we're all going to be forced to pick sides. And I absolutely hate that. We shouldn't be here right now. Right. Three weeks ago when George Floyd was, was killed, we were all united in this. Absolutely. Hey, yeah, get the cops. Do whatever you got to do to this cop. He was, bla- he was wrong. But this has turned in... Uh, to a political firestorm being leveraged by both sides, but in my mind, specifically one. I mean, it's just being pushed into the ground. It's being stoked. It's being fueled. One thing that that did bother me that occurred this week, um, early this week, I should say, is, okay, we had the George Floyd funeral carried live for four-plus hours, and then the next day was the funeral of David Dorn. And the only way you knew about it is because people were posting about it on Twitter. Like this, he, he died an actual hero. And yet on CNN and everything, you get to watch four hours of a funeral of a man who was murdered. Don't again, not twisting that up. He was murdered. They should still be here today, but for them to hold him up as some kind of uh, magical martyr, I mean, this is a man who put a gun to a pregnant woman's stomach while they robbed her. And to see them celebrate him in that way, it, it sickens me. Should he have died? Absolutely not. And Derek, Agreed. Derek Chauvin should never see the light of day again. But right. For them to turn him into the guy who, oh, uh, Biden, comparing, yeah. comparing George to Floyd's Martin Luther King Jr. To MLK's death, said it was bigger. Did you see uh, Martin Luther King Jr.'s niece come out? Uh, uh, Alvita King? I, I I hope I'm getting her name right. No, I did not. Oh, she was bent out of shape about this, and I don't blame her. You, you're well, going yeah, to compare George Floyd to Martin Luther King Jr.? You know, right. A man who spent his adult life basically trying to get civil rights for black people for generations who was literally assassinated yes. by a racist. Yes. Absolutely. Okay, he was assassinated by a racist POS and you're going to compare the two. Yeah. I think it's apples and oranges. I'm sorry. I don't even, I think it's fruits and vegetables. They're not even in the same family. So yeah, I agree a hundred percent. It's, it's, 
it's disturbing to see what's going on. And unfortunately, this is where it's at. You know, I remember, I was talking to somebody earlier. I remember when I was a kid, uh, as well, kid 20 years ago, 25 years ago, I remember when the big tolerance movement happened. And before that, anybody could say just about anything they wanted to, and it was brushed off. And then it was, well, you got to tolerate people. Everybody can, oh, okay, yeah, we'll, we'll tolerate it. You know, we shouldn't hate people for being different. And it, it made some ground. And then a couple years later, it wasn't just tolerate, but you gotta you you gotta embrace it. You gotta see the reasoning. You you gotta see the, you gotta have love in your heart and everybody. Yeah, okay, we'll do it. And now it's got to the point to where if you are not those people, then you have hate in your heart. Yeah. If you do not do what they do, you're racist, bigot, homophobic, xenophobic. You have hate in your heart. So we're all racist now. Uh, Pretty much because we're white. If you listen to BLM and read their pamphlets, and there's it's, it's, there's nothing there's nothing we can do. That's that's the thing that gets me. It's just depressing at this point. Uh, one last thing I did want to point out. I saw a statistic um, actually after the show Sunday, so I couldn't put it in there. But uh, all of this that's going on because of you know the the black man killed by a white cop, and oh, there's such a huge problem. This is and this is fact checked. <clears throat> In the, in the last year, nine unarmed black men were killed by police in America. Nine. Okay. To put some perspective on that, last year there were over 10 million arrests. Police were involved in 1,004 shootings. 41 of those involved unarmed suspects. And of those, 28 were killed. 19 of them were white, nine were black, and 89 cops were killed. So can I, can I back that up with something? If you saw my stats on the solo podcast I did. So D says, so out of, out of those people that were shot unarmed, nine of them were black, right? Uh, 41 were unarmed suspects. The 19, or I'm sorry, 28 were killed, 19 white, nine black. 19 white, nine black. Okay, so that's almost double the whites were killed, unarmed whites, correct? Yeah. Yes. Okay, so I touched on something that's going to tie into this to show you the difference and why everything that BLM and the left is feeding you is bullshit. This is it right here. These just, just blew the lid off of this. Yeah. So 90% of black-on-black homicides, or excuse me, 90% of black homicides are black-on-black, which means an African-American is the one killing the other African-American. 83.5% of white homicides are white-on-white. Makes sense when you look at it. There's a bit of a racial divide. I mean, in the big cities, you have black communities and you have white communities. And down here in the Noi, we're, you know, we're pretty pretty sparse on African-Americans. We, you know, in the big cities... Uh, they're there, but out in the country. So yeah, it makes sense that white on white and black on black. Here's the thing. The black population only makes up 14% of the United States. 14%. Roughly 50% of all homicides in the United States are black people. So if 90% of the black on black or 90% of the black homicides are black on black, that means 45% of all homicides in the United States are black on black. For 14% of the population, black-on-black crime makes up 45% of all homicides. That's a staggering number, and that is a problem. So when they say, well, black-on-black crime is an issue, it's a big effing issue. It's huge. And then to go around and say that we're being killed by racist white cops when the proof is in the pudding. 
most of the homicides are black on black, but when it comes down to actual unarmed suspects being shot, they're half as much as whites are. Yeah. And what are the stats on black crime? I think it's higher, isn't it? Oh, it's got to be, yeah. I mean, Percentage-wise? I mean, it's pretty close. I think, you know, you're talking the difference between 4,000 uh, and 5,000 per year. I think it's for murder or robbery. Um, so it's it's pretty close. It's it's actually pretty damn high when you consider the population percentages. Yep. So take those facts in and look at this. You're all being hoodwinked. This is if anybody's out there right now going, wait a minute, this doesn't add up. I'm being called a racist. I'm being told that I'm insensitive. I'm not woke. You're not crazy. I'm telling you right now, you're not crazy. You just have a working brain and you can look at numbers and see the facts for what they are. Yeah, and I don't want to. I don't want to come across the wrong way here. I do feel that there is a problem in this country. Um, there is. There does. There is a call for change. There needs to be change in whether it's the the training or the procedures or their immunity. Uh, something has to happen there to at least try and make things better. But the and way we've seen it with multiple, the, <coughs> excuse me, Tony Tempa. Yeah, I mean, we've we've seen it with all kinds of stuff. The the biggest problem, uh, like we've been saying for the last several weeks, is the the media. They only will show you what will push their narrative, and what will get people outraged. Like I said earlier in the show, if this situation with Rashard Brooks happened four weeks ago, before all this chaos with George Floyd, you wouldn't have heard about it. We'd still be talking about coronavirus right now. Nobody, you wouldn't know who Rashad Brooks was. He would just be another a man who resisted arrest, grabbed a weapon, and ended up getting killed. You know, one thing I want to I want to add. I've been thinking about this a lot. We talked about cell phone footage. Everybody's got their cell phones out. And look, if if you're by a crime and you're you're in or a, not let's not say a crime, but a police interaction, police are involved. Yeah, I guess you got the right to uh, film. You know, public officials like that. I think some states it's still illegal. It may be, but yeah. but here's my thing. I think there should be some kind of reform, some kind of law in here that if you are filming that, that it's against the law for you to post it on social media if it involves a police. And I, I, I would this, agree with that. You, you, maybe you can do it, but it has to go to the police department first because look at how many riots and how many how much unrest and dissent has been caused because somebody doctors what they've got on their cell phone, sends it to CNN or MSNBC, yeah, or they, does it at home and says, look at this, and they show you a, a, a just a brief moment in time of what happened to paint somebody. A 45-second video, and they send you the 15 seconds where it makes, you know— makes it look the way they want it to look. Exactly. Look at how much unrest has been caused from that. So, yeah, I think somebody needs... That's a discussion I think we need to have in this country. Yeah. And I I think that all cops, I don't care if you are Barney Fife in a town of 500 or if you're in Chicago or New York City, I think all cops should have uh, body cams on at all times recording. To... Cover their asses. To cover their ass, I mean, I think it goes both ways. Because if you are constantly, if I'm a police officer and I know that the second I walk out of the, the precinct or whatever, I'm live, I might think a little differently on how I'm going to approach some of these situations. So maybe if they know that there's automatic accountability, that you know, no matter what I do, I'm, I'm on. Which I think... A, I, I think a lot of them safe for safe for small town cops. I think all your big cities have body cams. It's become a thing. Yeah, but 
I know a lot of, there's been a lot of instances where, well, they didn't have their body cam on. Well, well guess, why the hell not? Well, guess like, what? I, I got even worse news for you. If they keep defunding the police department, well, yeah. they're going to get worse cops. They're going to start scraping the bottom of the barrel. And you know what? They're not going to have money to buy new body cams and new patrol vehicles and give the cops the benefits they need. Uh, yeah, and they're going to spread them out even more and stress out the cops even more. The I suicide still rate, the divorce this. rate, and alcoholism rate is so high with cops because of their stress. And they're going to defund. And some people want to abolish it. You're out of your minds. Yeah. Let me tell you something. There may be issues we have to work out as a society, but... Uh, there's not systemic racism no, in this if, country. If you want to abolish the police, uh, okay, fine. But you damn fine? no. Well, oh, hear gotcha. me out. Sorry, you, you <laughs> damn well better tell me what your plan is to to keep law and order. You can't that's just say, problem. "Oh, just end the police and we'll deal with it later." No, that's, that's the problem, Dan. You hit it. They don't have a plan. Right. That's this my is point. Knee like, jerk shit yeah. going on here. You know, until I see the o- OCP or yeah, it was OCP. Yeah, until OCP, I see the yeah. OCP cars rolling into town, you can't take the cops away. No, you absolutely can't. We need them as much as they need us. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, there's got to be reform. There's stuff has to change. But my biggest point here is the United States, I believe, has probably, aside from Germany, made the most headway in correcting their past, i.e., slavery. I really believe that. We've done things, gone leaps and bounds. We're always ever-changing. We're trying to do the right thing. And we are. And I think aside from Germany, which has completely like removed the Nazis from their history, as it should be. Yep. Look at the Holocaust. That was pretty bad stuff that went on there. I'd say we're in a tight second race with Germany. So when you say that we still have this same problem we had 100 years ago, that's a smack in the face to anybody, any lawmaker, um, anybody that's gone out and tried to make change. You're telling us that doesn't work. We elected a black man as president of the United States in 2008. You're going to tell me there's systemic racism? I mean, really? All the stuff that's going on, record low black unemployment. We got the First Step Act. Uh, passed, which was prison reform to get low level offenders out of prison. And it mainly benefited the African-American population. We've given more money and uh, scholarships and tuition to black colleges and universities and the funding for them. And and since like this, I mean, in the past 50 years, we just done it. So to say that we are systemically racist is BS. We have issues. We need to fix them. Yeah. No, yeah. Let's be clear. There's definitely racism in America. But it's not systemic. True. <laughs> and, and it's not something that is just going to magically go away. Um, you see them all the time on Facebook and Twitter, the memes that racism isn't inherited. It's taught, which is true. And that's not going to change overnight. I mean, you, you just, you can't change somebody's heart. And I hope that it kind of, gets goes the other way but it's not going to anytime soon especially with what's going on because the people that are racist are only becoming more racist by what's going on there's they you cannot change their heart they will not see this for anything other than what they want to see it which is hate unfortunately let's kind of wrap this up i think in my it wrap it up for me on this you know most of the racism I'm seeing now is against white people. I know there's racism against black people. It's not rampant. Most of the people I've ever considered to be racist 
were pretty low level and really didn't make a shit's difference in society. Do you know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. I just think this card is being played against us now for, for like I said, something made up like this white privilege and that we're responsible for this and, and we're not. It's academia is responsible for a lot of stuff that's going on right now and a lot of thought process, thought processes behind this. You looked that word up today, didn't you? What? Academia. I just made it up. Is it an actual word? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Thur. <laughs> Shut up. All right, let's move on. Uh, last week we promised we were going to try and steer ourselves away from all the drama, um, and we're going to now. We probably spent more time on on that stuff than we initially wanted to, but uh, bottom line is there's a lot going on that we kind of have to cover. But we're going to lighten the mood a little bit. Uh, we're going to talk musicians. Uh, this isn't now. It's going to get really effing ugly. Yeah, this is just basically going to be matters of opinion, both his and mine. And I I fully admit that while I've been a DJ for 20 plus years, um, your musical knowledge far exceeds mine, uh, having been in bands and everything Um, in some, in some aspects. Yeah. I mean, um, so yeah, we're just going to talk about and full disclosure. We're pretty much both rockers. I mean, I like all kinds of music, but, uh, I think in this discussion, we're basically going to cover like rock musicians for the most part. And let's start it off. We're going to cover the four, you know, the four man band format basis, the, the most, the least respected musicians out there. Um, if you ever listen to Bob and Tom, you know, they, they give bassists a hard time all the time. Uh, kind of funny, but there's some really great bass players out there, even though they don't really get their due, uh, off the top of your head, who do you got? You know, uh, you say a four-man band, and we're talking best musicians. So my default, okay, because I'm a Zepp head, is always going to be Led Zeppelin. But I'm going to mix it up a little bit here. I'd have to say bass players. Um, of course, I would go John Paul Jones, Led Zeppelin. But I'm not going to take the easy way out of this. Right. Uh, right off the top of my head, I'm going to say Geezer Butler from Black Sabbath. Very good. I'm going to go, and, and this is because I've, I actually worked security for the man, and, and I watched him live. Les Claypool. Oh, absolutely. I mean, he's, he's technical. A, yeah. And can play not, he doesn't just play like, you know, your typical rock and roll bass. He's got the he, big stand up bass, you know, he is the Neil Peart of the bass. Yeah. He is an amazing bass player. Little on the weird side. I think yes, if, he if is. you've ever heard a Primus song, he's definitely out there. Virtuosos but, but, though are not known for yeah, being down but to earth. Like I said, if we're talking technical and he's, he's a showman by not being a showman. Like, he's just weird up there. And I, like I said, I literally stood side stage of him because I was his personal security. Um, and, and he doesn't really do anything flamboyant. But He's a cadet, dude. Uh, yeah, he is out there. I'll uh, tell you one, a uh, uh, bass player, if you don't not familiar with him, you should look into him. Um, Jack Bruce from Cream. Yeah. You could pretty much list anybody on Cream in, in what we're talking about here. Uh, a couple more that I always liked. Um even though he's really weird and not all that <laughs> good to look at, flee. Mm. You know, for their style of music, he's yeah. Great. He go kick a field goal in between those chompers. And, and Getty Lee, Getty Lee is outstanding bass player. But to be in Rush, you better be outstanding at your. Well, right, yeah. There's a three man band. Alex Lifeson. You know, he's a pretty underrated guitarist too. Alex Lifes- Lifeson from uh, from Rush. Yeah. Yep. And- Speak, okay, so let's uh, let's go to your area of expertise, and I already know who you're leading off with, and I I can't disagree. But let's talk drummers. But see, I can okay, so I'm going to go into this, but I can give you reasons though. 
I mean, I'm just not going to spout off a certain drummer. I can give you reasons that, that my drummer is considered the best in my opinion. This is all opinion. But, of course, I'm going to pick John Henry Bonham from who, Led Zeppelin. Who was known also by... What? Bonzo. Bonzo. And, Bonzo. And you are... Donzo. El yes. Donzo. No kind of influence there. No. And no, yeah, never yeah. heard of it. Donovan, I, Donzo. Bonham, Bonzo. It just made sense. Yeah, and you would be hard-pressed to really argue that. Um, he was technical. He was, I mean, seat of his pants. He was, okay, he wasn't, you know, here's a funny thing about Bonham. And you said technical. Uh, Ginger Baker was a technical drummer. Yeah. Very technical. Neil Peart is the most technical drummer I can ever imagine. I wouldn't try to play a Rush song. Um, simply for the fact that there's no way I could remember all that and structure it like Neil Peart did. It's not my thing. I'm a swing kind of guy. And that's what John Bonham had. Led Zeppelin was so loose. They were tight or tight that they were loose, if that makes any sense. They would fly by the seat of their pants. They would make up songs on stage and they'd all gel together. Bonham did a lot of thing called ghost notes. And he had a really fast right foot and his triplets. And if you really get into the drums and listen to them, there are so many things going on and extra notes thrown in there that you can't hear with everything else going. That's just simply amazing. And the way he accents everything that not only Robert Plant does, but Jimmy Page and John Paul Jones, it's it's almost like he's playing lead guitar with the drums. But he knows when to go at it. He knows when to back off and keep it simple. He knew when to accent and accent properly. That's probably the biggest... Um, the biggest thing I can say about John Bonham, he, he knew when to be hot, he knew when to be cold as well. And he did it perfectly. And he could play drums better drunk than almost anybody could sober. Now, if you want to get into it, one of his big heroes was Buddy Rich, which, in my opinion, um, I can almost say this is not opinion, nobody could have touched Buddy Rich. Buddy Rich was hands down the best drummer I've ever witnessed in my life and not witnessed him live. This was witnessed on video. Yeah, because yeah, he died in 67. So No, Buddy Rich <laughs> did not die in 67. Died in 86 or 87. Oh, 87. I'm sorry. I'm a little 87 blind. he died. So I was alive, but I never saw Buddy Rich perform. <laughs> uh, one I'm going to mention, and it's not because I think he's a great drummer per se, but just what he did with those drums, Tommy Lee. I disagree 100%. I think Tommy Lee's a shit drummer. Well, and I'm not really arguing that fact, but just what he did with them and how he made it the show and his innovation. The showmanship. You know, exactly. Okay, yeah, well, I, I give you that on I won't say necessarily he's a shit drummer because I mean, he was in a band that, to this day, is still selling millions and millions of records. Well, when you compare him with, with other drummers of, of the like. Agreed. Agreed, but, but I see where you're coming from. Yeah, he had, he had the uh, the drum cage that rotated and spun around. And then, well, he, that was the first one. Then he did one where the whole the thing, roller coaster, like a roller coaster, yeah. goes way out yeah, of the crowd. Absolutely, like, you know. And uh, Kiss did that to and a Kiss certain. Kiss got some flack for that because well, no, Kiss did it first. Tommy Lee just took Peter Chris's rising drum riser where yeah, it, drum plant, yeah. It, it comes up you know like 20 feet in the air and fireworks and stuff are shooting out of it that was that was peter chris and that's where tommy lee got his idea of right. look let me take right. this and make it a thousand times more because i'm gonna go upside down in a glass cage and then out in front of the crowd and all that stuff so that's what i like about tommy lee is that he took 
you know, again, a drummer is somebody that's sitting back there that you don't, you know, you don't think much of, even though they are really the driving force behind the band musically, they keep the pay or keep the speed tempo and all that stuff. So, uh, he kind of said, Hey, I'm out here. And I think now he plays with like a, a clear drum kit. You can see everything back there, which they're acrylic drum kits. Yeah. Tommy Lee at almost 60 years old is probably not something I want to see, especially when he's back there with the shortest shorts you can possibly find. Those old wrinkly balls. Right. What real quick. I just got to throw my hat off to one more drummer um, that most people would be surprised. Uh, Phil Rudd from ACDC. Oh yeah. He's not tech. He he's, he is actually technical. He is rock solid. He is solid as a rock. He is the right thing for ACDC. Now he is, he's a more simplified drummer, but he's steady. He's uh, uh, kind of like uh, Charlie Watts from the Rolling Stones. Rolling Stones. Very precise, always on time, does his job, does what's required for the music. So I rank him up there as well for knowing when, what to do and when to do it. Uh, along those same lines, I'll throw another name at you for the same reasons. Frank, yeah. Frank Beard. Oh, from ZZ, ZZ Top. Top. The only member of ZZ Top that does not have a beard right. is named Frank Beard. Frank Beard, yes. Frank Beard's a phenomenal drummer. Once yep. again, another underrated one. Uh, yeah, absolutely, Frank Beard. If you listen to some of the earlier stuff, if you listen to the 80s stuff like, uh, what was it? Eliminator. Um, Eliminator. Sharp, Af- Sharp Dressed Man, Legs. Sharp Dressed Man, yeah. Afterburner came after, after Eliminator. Yep. Eliminator. If you listen to those, it's, it's a but kind of like this 80s yeah, it was pop kinda, thing. Yeah, it was kind of pop rock. No, okay. uh, Listen to the old songs, okay? Yeah. Uh, uh, Rio Grande Mud, Tres Hombres, and, and uh, oh, what's the other one? I can't even think of it. Uh, well, you can go with LaGrange. Tush was a, was a good one. Yeah, I'm thinking albums. Not albums, but yeah, yeah those, were, albums. those were their big but songs of the 70s. Listen to the older albums. There's a lot of handwork going on in those, and it's really impressive stuff. Really good accents. He's throwing in the ghost notes like Bonham did as well, which is really cool in my opinion. Right. Adds to the song. Now... We could literally do an entire show, so we'll we'll try and, and trim this up because there's so many. But guitarists, lead guitarists, lead guitarists. Okay, I'm gonna throw this one out there, and just to be different, but it's one that I really really enjoy. Um, Richie Blackmore from Deep Purple and Rainbow. <laughs> yes, I, I knew go down the wrong I, pipe there. Geez. Yeah, because and I I knew when I brought this up that that's where you were gonna go because look we can sit here all day and talk about the ones everybody knows Hendrix, Clapton, Jimmy Page, Eddie Van Halen, Jeff um, Beck, Je- yeah Jeff Beck, Bex um, Bolero. You know there are so many very very talented guitarists, um, and I'll throw one out there that we kind of briefly talked about uh, off the air last week, and he never gets any pot or uh, publicity for being a guitar player. Was Prince and I? Uh, I agree. Great, phenomenal guitar player. Yeah. If but, if you want to see Prince in action, go on and on YouTube. And there was a, a tribute show. Uh, I think to George Harrison was the tribute, and they do um, while my guitar gently weeps. And yeah, Prince, I've seen that. Prince plays the the lead solo on that, and it's like six minutes long, and I think it's every bit as good as any guitar solo I've ever seen. Uh, performed live and but i'll tell you why prince isn't high up there on as far as guitar players go it's like being really good at shooting marbles but you spend your whole time being a pretty good 
pool player. Right. So if that's all you do, that's all you're going to be known for. Oh, absolutely. And he, he did write great songs, but they were not rock and guitar centered. Yeah. They, no. they were just good songs. He could be a phenomenal guitarist, but he never wrote, uh, and I don't even like it, Stairway to Heaven. He never wrote anything like that that was... Neither he, did Zeppelin. No, they did. You're 100% incorrect on that. Uh, I think that could be disputed. No, it can't be disputed. Go ahead. Real quick. Let's go. Let's go. We just opened this up. Okay, I won't say they didn't write it, but it wasn't just a 100% original thought. You will never, ever convince you me of need that to because listen to, I've listened to the... The, the snippet from Taurus mm-hmm. is like 10 seconds long, and it's one part of the opening. The whole structure of that song, they get no. I agree, for. but uh, if you want to name, if you want to name something, the Jimmy Page that oh Jimmy and Robert ripped off would be dazed and confused. Well, and there's more, there's even more than that. Of no, old, that was blatantly ripped yeah, off. That but, wasn't like they took an idea and changed it. They blat- and actually Jimmy Page did it first in the Yardbirds um, with "I'm so confused." I think yeah. was the name of and it. There's a, a I won't say a lot, but there were a few of their songs that were. Blue old bluesy songs that yep. never really made it big, and they kind of put their Led Zeppelin twist on it, and then they became mega hits. Um, but anyway, we're we're getting off the off the rails there. Um, what else is new? Yeah, Richie. Yeah, right. Richie Blackburn. Yeah, excellent. Uh, I like Tom Morello. I mean, he's yeah. he's one of the big names, but not you know he, nobody really mentions him in the same sentence as like your Eddie Van Halen, Jimi Hendrix, or like that, but. Uh, his style with Rage Against the Machine, I just thought was amazing. Tom, you know, here's another one that that's now getting some, uh, that was starting to get some notoriety, and now because of his politics probably isn't. Ted Nugent. Excellent guitar player. One of the best uh, guitar players. He came from Detroit, okay? He grew up on Motown and Black Blues, and he's he, he really did. He's, he's really got that look. Phenomenal guitarist. And then uh, another one, Joe Walsh, Joe Walsh is one was you great. don't hear anything about. He never makes the lists, and he is just a superb guitar player. Right. Well, and the the style of the music that he played never really, uh, I don't think he ever really showed his, you know, like when you think of lead guitarists and, you know, you just think jamming solos and whatnot, you think of Eddie Van Halen and Jimi Hendrix. Um, Clapton was amazing. Uh and and Joe Walsh, you never heard like that iconic moment in a song where you're like, Joe Walsh is just wailing on that thing, but he's very good. How about this one? I want to mix this up real quick, if you don't mind. Real quick. How about worst guitarists? Famous people, worst guitarists. Or, or mm. somebody that did, some, somebody that's like you roll your eyes when you hear him play guitar. Because I got one in mind right now. Go ahead. Neil Young. His solos, somebody should take that guitar away from him and shove it up his butt. See, I can honestly say I've never oh. I've never listened close enough to Neil Young. I've never been a big fan. I mean, I, I respect... I'm not either. It's just something that stands out I, there. I respect what he's done in, in the music industry, but... Um, I do too. His music, is that's fine. I'm not knocking anybody's music. I'm just saying his ability as a guitarist has never impressed me. We said When he did the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction with Zeppelin, and I think they played when the levee breaks... And you can kind of see Jimmy Page just looking at him like, are you going to do something? Come on, come on, come on. So Right. All right, so now we go to the, the front of the stage. Uh, and we've got some qualifiers on this because you can't really, uh, in terms of rock and roll, just because you can sing don't mean that you're a great front man. Absolutely. And, and vice versa. 
Um, you don't necessarily have to be a great singer to be a great front man, i.e. David, David Lee Roth. Yeah, I, I mean, he, he's, he, look, he, he had a great, not, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say, I'm not going to say he's a bad singer, but he was never somebody that I would consider a, a good or even great singer at all. No, but he had the right chops for the band and he was an outstanding front man. And did you know, uh, uh, do you know who Jim Dandy is? Band called Black Oak, Arkansas. Yeah, heard of him. He took his stage show, his stage presence, and modeled it after Jim Dandy Mangrum, who was a front man for Black Oak, Arkansas, which was, I think, at one point, the largest touring act in the 1970s. Most people don't know him, but if you consider yourself a Southern rock fan uh, and you don't know who Black Oak, Arkansas is, you need to go check them out now because they're hands down one of the best bands to ever come from the South in the 70s. Just a little tidbit. You mentioned David Lee Roth. I'm going to mention one, and I'm going to get a lot of blowback at first on this. But hear me out. Bon Scott. Bon Scott was not a stellar vocalist. Bon Scott had an awesome voice, though. He had a good scream, and he was an outstanding, powerful frontman. And what he did fit ACDC better than anybody else. And the proof in that pudding is Brian Johnson comes along after Bon Scott drinks himself to death and fills the shoes and fills them good. But the music changed. Yeah, there, there was definitely a, a a difference between what they released before and after. And they they fit the guy they had at the time. Absolutely. Now, what really got lost and why Bon Scott was a vocalist that most people really can't replicate was he was raunchy and sleazy in his vocals. And it fit the style of the sex, drugs, and rock and roll music they were doing. And it fit it so damn good. Right. And of course, I mean, you got to say uh, Freddie Mercury. Uh, he had it all. Oh, okay. I thought you were going to say he didn't have a voice. Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah, make it, no. Your amazing voice. Solo show. And he had that bravado that you want out of, you know, the guy at the front of the stage. Um, Steven Tyler is another one that he had that, that he had the look, the personality, and he had a pretty good voice. He had a damn good voice. You know, uh, Paul Stanley. Now, not Paul Stanley the last 10 years because his years of singing have, have definitely taken And he toll. knows that. Yeah. He's aware of that. But the 70s and 80s, Paul Stanley was the very definition of a great front man. I'll tell you one that I don't want to get back on the rainbow kick here, but Ian, or the rainbow, the, the deep purple kick. Ian Gillen. Ian Gillen, though, had to easily have been one of the Best, most broadest-ranged vocalist of all time. So we're talking the late 60s here when he joined Deep Purple. He was doing screams and stuff with his voice that nobody else at the time was doing, except for Arthur Brown from the crazy world of Arthur Brown. There's another one for you. He actually started the screams, and he influenced people like Ian Gillen. And how could we leave out Bruce Dickinson from Iron Maiden? Iron Maiden, yep. Very good one. Uh, All right, well, I think that's going to be it for me. You got any more? I, you know, I really don't think I do. Um, but like I said, you know, we talked about a couple bands in there that I think you guys should check out, which is uh, the early ZZ Top, Black Oak, Arkansas. If you're not familiar with Rainbow and Richie Blackmore, you listen to this, go listen to them. So there's a lot of stuff in there, especially Crazy World of Arthur Brown. You probably know the song. It's called Fire. So you'll know it when you hear it, but yeah, go check those out. And, uh, and we'd love to hear your feedback on this too. And you know, we, there were a lot of great musicians. We didn't mention, not necessarily because we don't think they're great musicians, but we're just, like I said, we tried to go a little bit off the beaten path, 
But go to our Facebook page, uh, facebook.com slash Ds, and give us some feedback on uh, maybe some names that we might have missed that are you know less than obvious. Yeah, get on there. Give us your bassist, guitarist, vocalist, and drummer. And then the ones that get the top billing... We'll go ahead and mention those next week. So yeah, let's do this. Let's do a best of uh, best of each, and whoever gets the highest votes or whoever we see the most of, we'll mention them on the next show and we'll go over it. And uh, I'm going to do some more reading, but uh, coming up next week, uh, we've got to talk about this Lori Vallow situation. Oh dear God! Yes. And I'm telling you what, um, if you don't know what's going on with it, take a minute to Google it because if there's anybody with even an ounce of IQ or brain power at Netflix, they are already working on this documentary. And I think it's going to make Tiger King look like a goddamn Disney movie. Tiger who? Right. <laughs> so that's it for me. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Sorry I sound like shit. Um, I went out and tied a hell of a one on, so. No, you you sound like shit every time. Well, yeah, this. there's that. <laughs> No, hey, I appreciate it, guys. Thanks for listening. To our listeners out there, please keep it up. Uh, we see our numbers going up. Keep sharing. Keep showing it to your friends. Commenting, liking, anything you can do. We appreciate the support. And until next week, this is Donzo out. See ya.